I heard three claps, so that's good. Yep. I don't know if that's good. <laughs> now we just need to ramble and for like, I don't know, two minutes. Two hours. And then I need to wrap, wake my brain up enough to start a podcast, and then you guys get to carry this one. <laughs> ramble and for two minutes. You mean uh, that's not what we do all the time here? Yeah, which is why I suggested we start the recording so that like, <laughs> we're like just recording the, the, the bull that we're rambling about. Yeah. It, it, it's a roundabout of untrustworthiness. That's what it really is. It's the, the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. Uh, this is episode 19, uh, airing May 22nd, 2022. I'm blind and I'm hosting this episode and I'm half awake because I slept for four and a half hours last night. And I'm joined by uh, Bellinaire, who I just interrupted. I'm sorry. That's fine. Don't worry, I'm also half awake like normal, so <laughs> it's that kind of cast. Well. It is what it is. Arch is also here. How are you today, sir? I'm 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 fully awake here. I'm having a good one. Well, good evening or good morning. I don't <laughs> I don't know time how time zones work. Arch, uh, at this hour. Uh 2:30 a.m. So it's pretty so, pretty late. Probably a bad thing that I'm as awake as I currently am. It's 7:40 a.m. over here in Canada. Yeah. So almost 6 p.m. here. For, I was gonna say you've got like the normal time of day now. Yeah, I mean that's to be like I'll be ready, getting ready to stream soon and everything. So it's like normal people hours over there in Finland. Yeah. But uh, we're Which here is... and we're gonna be talking about games that we've been playing this week, and we're gonna be talking about news. Nothing super fancy this week. Just uh, just your normal weekly dosage of Halcyon podcast goodness. Um, but uh, I I'm I'm just like. To floundering here because I, w I streamed for it was like 14 and a half hours last night and then didn't get to sleep until like two o'clock in the morning so it's like i'm I'm just i'm just tired did you finish the citizen sleeper then yesterday finally uh yes i i did finish it i've seen credits in that video game and well i'll talk about it later <laughs> Yeah, I, I just saw your post. Like, uh, it took you twice as long as the how long to beat usually says. So. Yep, yep. No, how long to beat's like how long to beat claims that you can finish it in seven hours. It took, and that's like the short, like the do the minimum stuff playthrough, and then the long playthrough they said was ten. I it took me uh, about sixteen, and I definitely didn't do a long playthrough. But is that because you've got to stop and sort of read things and take things a little bit slower to let chat catch up? It's because I'm, like, not reading in my head and power reading it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, that that's a game where you could just, like, click, 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 really slow because I mean it's not my first language uh, firstly and then uh, some of the language in games is also really horrible <laughs> it's like how how do you pronounce this thing <laughs> yeah it's it's not it's certainly not Dwarf Fortress levels of I need a thesaurus what <laughs> yeah but uh, on the other hand games have been an like, amazing uh, tool for learning languages uh, in general because uh, there is so many, much like a weird language. I know so many words like fantasy and sci-fi really that are <laughs> totally useless in like normal day life. <laughs> yeah, I, mean... I, I was actually having this discussion yesterday with uh, with my partner. Um, she was saying that she she you know doesn't understand a lot of French, yet she can watch a cooking video in French and be like, oh yeah, I get the words here. 
And it's like the second you you combine a passion with the other language, it suddenly becomes so much easier to learn. Yeah, it's, it's so like good. yeah, sure, you don't know how to order a coffee, but you know how to tell them tank that guy because this one's about to proc. <laughs> yeah, or like a medieval weapons, and like I can describe them uh, many many ways and have all the names <laughs> for them in English, but like. It's it's weirder. It's it's. I mean, that's how I learned my language, like English, when I was younger. Like I was before I got to school, I understood a lot of English already, and then just aced everything in the school because uh, it was so easy. The uh, I, I think that video games have taught me other languages less, but definitely expanded my knowledge of English. <laughs> like, I don't think I ever would have encountered a word like indefatigable. If I hadn't played Dwarf Fortress a bunch. Yeah, it's kind of a shame that everything is in English. Uh, and there's not that many, like, uh, especially, like, spoken in different languages. Like, I, I played the the Sami game. And it was really nice mm. hearing, like, uh, not English and uh, just having subtitles. And I think more of that would be really cool to have uh, in other games as well. And, of course, like, in, in Control, you have the Finnish janitor, which is the best thing in video gaming. I just want more stuff like that in all the games. Huh? <laughs> I think like the closest examples I could think of that is like either Stalker or like Metro when you're just like trying to hide behind cover and you're getting shot at and people are screaming at you in Russian and you're just like, God, I can't read everything while I'm dodging fire. <laughs> but it, 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 it adds to the feeling nicely to have that uh, oh, absolutely. Russian yell at you. Are you, are you saying they need to finish more games? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I understand that pun. That's uh. Ooh. I mean, I think it's actually a shame that uh, there isn't like a, there's a lot of like a Finnish mythology and language and culture and things that could be put into the like all the games that are made in Finland, but uh, uh, it's just not used. Uh, like we have a our own, a whole national epic and everything that could be like a source for a bunch of games. Uh. You have like all the Norse mythology and everything like super popular in, in all of the entertainment from Marvel to anything. But you could do this exact same from picking just Finnish mythology, basically. But it's just not used uh, by Finns or anyone else. The Vikings steal all the fun. Yeah. They, they're, here to, they're here to raid your fun. Yeah, we, we kind of copy-pasted and changed it, though. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I, I just think that video games is kind of... Um, it's, it's very... Well, I think it's unfair to say Western-centric, but very English-centric. And so things that... Yeah, especially the U.S., yeah, but like not even just the US, it's like, you know, I'll I'll play a game that's like, I don't know, comes from Brazil and it's like, oh, it's only in English. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, it, like it's the it's biggest very, market. Um, it's the problem. Yeah. So it's very English centric and you could only imagine how it is like, oh, this amazing game's come out, but you gotta learn French to understand it. And everyone will be like, no, nah, I'm just not gonna play it. Well, I mean, there, there's games like Dawn of, Me Dawn, Dawn of Mexica, which is a traditional roguelike, which is hard as balls. Um, but it's it's all based in Mexican mythology. So for me, it's like super strange and like alien and abstract and like drug infused and trippy. Like there there are mushrooms that give you power ups that take you to different realms um, of existence. <laughs> See, that's, that sounds it's, fantastic. It's, it's, it is fantastic. I, I, it's hard as hell, but it's fantastic. Yeah, more of that in the games. That, that's really cool. I, I like. I would love to hear like New Zealand uh, stuff and whatever, some Canadian mythology and so on. Uh. Giant um, moose is gonna eat your beaver. I mean, what? 
um there's there's little bits of it that are in uh path of exile yeah yeah that actually contains a Mm. contains parts of uh maori culture yeah that is and i I think that's absolutely awesome they actually released like a kiwi running around after me they they actually have drop pads in that as well (laughs) oh naturally perfect they actually released uh just a new skin out for path of exile as well for the moroder it's called maroider and it just gets more buffer and buffer the more strength you have. You know, and now, now that you're just talking about Mar- uh, Maori stuff, I- I'm thinking about the band Alien Weaponry and going, man, they should do a playable music video. Yes. Because I've, I've played a couple <laughs> playable music videos for various metal bands over the years, and it's just like, that that would be cool. That, that's the same yeah. in, uh, like in video games, but also in music. Like, I really like that kind of stuff when uh, you have the Alien Weaponry and you have the, the Who and... Uh, the what's the Indian band? Uh, the Bloodywood. Bloodywood. Yeah, like I really like when the, that kind of stuff uh, comes around. Uh. Bloodywood's most recent stuff is incredible too. Like, yeah, it's really, really good. They got so good over the pandemic. It's yeah, it's really yeah. weird when when you and me kind of found them. They were like a, just a small band on YouTube with like a two guys on their Patreon as a supporters, and then suddenly just boom, touring the world and everything. Yeah, well, they they got invited to Vakin, um, which is wild. They got to pay, play on one of the supporting stages at Vakin. Yeah, it's probably an insane uh, opportunity for them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like they they're they're just they they're just a neat band because like they're one of the only metal bands that I've managed to make my mom listen to. <laughs> what is what is uh, <laughs> why why the, them specifically? <laughs> Because she likes <laughs> every other metal band I've ever shown her, my mom just goes, "Oh, that's angry. I don't like that." But for some reason, she doesn't get that vibe from Bloodywood, which but, I think is kind of. But Bloodywood is like extremely angry. Yes, in, they are one of the maddest bands I've ever heard. But my mom likes them <laughs> for some reason. You know, actually, Arch, I'm, I'm, I, have you not heard Bloodywood? I've not heard Bloodywood. No. Hold on a second. I'm gonna go find a thing, and I'm gonna give you a timestamp. <laughs> and if it's not going to pop up on your recording or just mute the video, I want you to watch the timestamp of this video. Bell and Eric have a free movie for me while I get this video. Sure. Um, but yeah, like Bloodywood is a, a really good one. And then the, the Who. Actually, I was uh, playing the Star Wars uh, last week or, or the week before. And it was interesting that um, EA had picked up the, the Who to actually make like the intro song for the Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order. And it's actually really fitting for that part of the. Uh, game and then immediately after that basically you go to a very like a almost like a mongolia kind of asia wiper area so you had a, a mongolian throat singing band that was also kind of a, a youtube uh, sensation for a actually it still is but uh, it, it just came from out of nowhere and then suddenly ea picks them to make a song for a star wars game and then kind of also includes it into the world and it's actually really cool like more of that thing um there's also kind of similar to the the um, the steam-powered giraffe, who does this weird, like, a steampunky space robot <laughs> music thing. And they were they were also in the... Um, what's it called? The steampunk game. <laughs> I'm try- uh, which, which one? Steam World. Uh, <laughs> the steampunk. One of the steam world oh, things, st- I think. 
Steam maybe the first Dig, one. SteamWorld Dig 2, SteamWorld something. Yeah, I think it was Tactics. the first one of those. Uh, where they had a, they actually had like the pixel, uh, like pixel character versions of the band members as well and everything. And then they they made the songs for the game. Huh. And so, Interesting. I, I would love to see more of that uh, in, in all the games. Like, uh, a lot of the big games use, like, ob- obviously, like, big um, uh, artists, uh, like, do normal music. But I would love to see more, uh, like, uh, these indie bands and, like, small YouTube bands and just random people from around the world doing the music. Uh. I would imagine they're also a lot cheaper to use and license to have their music uh, in your game than a... Uh, um, someone massive or whatever uh, who's stopping the list uh, or something i mean on, on the 31st of this month i'm going to go see a band that i can't actually say the name of on this podcast because it, re- it requires me saying an f word um so holy f is the name of them their music got licensed to be in one of the watchdogs doc watchdogs trailer by their licensing company and they mm-hmm. weren't aware of it until after the trailer releases and then like their twitter account tweeted it out and was just like hey we didn't know we were in watchdogs neat <laughs> <laughs> it would be um, also interesting to hear like it does it actually translate into fans uh, viewers, uh, like listeners and so on uh, to have that, that kind of in a game I would assume that it's more likely just a here's a lump of money um, but prob- probably some of column A and some of column B yeah. I guess but that, I mean there's nothing wrong with a here's a lump of money as well it's quite nice around <laughs> then Especially yeah, if you're a smaller band, a like uh, I mean, I don't know if they're, if they're a smaller band or anything because I haven't heard of them. But like for a smaller band, uh, having a big lump of money to be licensed into a game is probably very, very welcome. I mean, um, the, that that band that I was mentioning is like they're not a big band, but they're also like not a small band. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's watched a guy headbang on a camel off my bucket list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you need to watch the rest <laughs> of them as well. So- surprisingly good there's a clip at the end of that video arch where he's just like mimicking like playing his guitar for like a scene earlier in the video and it's like an outtake right and he's just like walking this alleyway and you hear like him he's got he's like listening to the music like kind of quietly and he's just like strumming along on his unplugged guitar and then a dog jumps out of nowhere and barks at him and he falls over (laughs) and everyone else laughs uh. (laughs) they all laugh at it it's so good that's one of the first videos I think they did yeah, no, that, that that was their their first music video. Um, I remember showing them to my my friend Kevin, who's like the guy who I go to all the shows with, and he just sent like immediately DM'd back. He's like, "Best part of this video is when they show up at the end and go, hey, buddy, thank you very much for watching our video." <laughs> no, they it, it it looks really fun. Like they, they are a very heavily politically charged, loud as hell band, and I really really like it. But metal is politically charged, isn't it? Not like, always. I've... Really? Yeah. Compared to average, they are very heavily, for sure. It's it's maybe maybe not as as politically charged as punk, but you know more than Indian I mean, pop. <laughs> yeah, more more than like I guess Rihanna, but like Bloodywood is like they they have like for their not so much for that particular song that I sent you, which was Audi Audi, but like they're more current stuff it like they'll have like here's a trigger warning because we're going to be top talking about r and it, it rhymes with grape um like they're oh wow okay That's and like great. uh abortion rights and that sort mm. of stuff like they they're, they go they they pick a rabbit hole and they dive in and they write a song about it and it's fantastic and it's like bouncy indian music with like 
loud guitars and rapping. It's fantastic. <laughs> that's like, also I, like I the, the politics that they do is is, is for a really good reason and cause so it's something that should be yeah. helped and uh, be against uh, a lot of the stuff that uh, they talk about uh, in the lyrics uh. this is uh, Metal Minute with uh, Blind IRL and Arch and Bellinair yeah we might, we might need a you... like last week I said we should have a <laughs> podcast for a food and gardening I think we also need a music podcast as well <laughs> I used to have a music <laughs> podcast, and then my co-host got a job, and then he got a second job, and now we don't have a podcast anymore. <laughs> if anyone else is feeling lost by all this metal talk, you're not alone. I mean, I think the last thing, the last album I listened to is like you know, Twenty One Pilots. So come on, Oof. don't worry. Between Blind and me, we can probably provide <laughs> even more weirder music. If if, if metal is getting weird, we can almost we can find even more. Weird stuff. Well, I mean, if, if if you want something a little bit chill, uh, I, I've been listening to a lot of Blackwater Holy Light, which is a all-girl stoner psych band. Um, that 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 they have multiple songs uh, that I can't read the names of on this stream <laughs> or on this podcast, but they they they're fantastic. Bought tickets to go see them soon. So, I've been lately listening to that um, electronic hurdy curdy music that you linked uh, a while ago. <laughs> the electric hurdy gurdy, let's go. <laughs> that was a, a very brief, like, manic weekend where I was just, I found a hurdy gurdy cover YouTube channel and was like, wow, this rocks. And then I just fell into a, um, <laughs> into a very deep rabbit hole after that it was a really good uh, rabbit hole <laughs> like some of them some it, of them were really was. amazing some of the videos also <laughs> have a really really cool animation so like this uh, almost like a kind of steampunky unravels uh, the electronic hurdy-curdy music uh, it's really cool oh um another another band i've been listening to a lot is the somali yacht club um who i learned are also ukrainian in the last few months wow um, but uh yeah, they're just like this super loud, heavy wall of noise, but also ambiently beautiful post-rock, like, stoner thing. Okay. Also, they have maybe the best band name I've, like, ever heard. <laughs> like, how See, do you forget I, Somali Yacht Club? <laughs> I, I I once fell into a rabbit hole with a Black Moth Super Rainbow back Ooh. when, you know, Something really I early days. In a long, long time. Yeah, and I was introduced to them, and I loved them unironically for so long. It was they were absolutely great. Now, did that name pop back into your head because I just said Blackwater Holy Light? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just checking. <laughs> it's like some sort of password generator for a name, isn't it? It's like how you get like uh, awoken as a sleeper agent. <laughs> <laughs> Begin Blackwater Holy Light. Ah. So if you haven't been in the metal hole, Archer, what what have you been then listening? What kind of music do you like? Uh... Oh, this is this is where I, you know, like I as you may know, I, I, I theme my channel a lot of a lot around being chill, and that tends to be what I listen to. I actually don't like a lot of lo-fi because um I just 
I read a tweet once that it was just um, you know, thirty something hipster jazz for for the current for the current age, and I was like, it's just chill jazz for children. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah, why I just no, I close the loop that. and listen to chill jazz. <laughs> <laughs> what I have been listening to actually is um, Triple J in Australia have. You know, every time they've got a uh, guest on, I think it's once a week, um, they have the guests do a segment called Like a Version. And that's where they have, um, they cover another another artist's song. And there's some really good ones out there. Like um, The Wiggles. Do you two know The Wiggles? Unfortunately. This is yeah. the second time The Wiggles has come up on this podcast. They did a cover of tame the elephant no 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 uh tame impala's uh elephant and it's actually really good <laughs> and yeah. and lots of things like that and um you know a lot of bands will will go out of their their depth and try on new things and i just absolutely love it because i'm a huge fan of covers and takes on things because I don't know. It's just fun hearing something you know in a different different way. So, um, yeah, I've been listening to that playlist for, for quite a lot. I don't really listen to playlists. I mostly listen to albums. Um, well, see, that's, but- that's where I have two different moods. If I feel like an album, I'll be on Spotify. I'll get the album. I'll listen to that. If I feel like just randomly discovering and having it fed to me, I'll actually go to YouTube because I think YouTube's algorithm is much better than Spotify's. Mm, I, yeah, I, I don't know YouTube if I agree well. with that, but like if you listen to like a bunch of songs on YouTube uh, and then it's like made the list out of those for yourself, uh, and then you just play that, and it's like ten songs that I have listened, and then it just goes off the rails somewhere, and sometimes it finds some nice music. If I want to listen to music, I pick an album I like. Or a band I like, and then pick an album from that band and listen to it. If I want to discover music, I go to a band I like, or a band that I in, or a or an album that I like, and I'll go to others also listen to either on Bandcamp or Spotify. Or <laughs> I go to a record store and I buy a record that looks cool, and then I listen to that. Why am I not surprised that you still go to record stores? Because I own three hundred records, dude. That's that's why. <laughs> yeah. 300 records and 21 cassette tapes as of... The only person I know who owns more records than you is my mum. And I think you two would get along very well. Well, I mean, (laughs) record stores are cool. Record stores are the only people I've spoken to actual human beings in the last, like, year. My mum used to get high and listen to Pink Floyd before it was a cool thing to do. I mean... I'm generally high when I'm listening to Pink Floyd, but I'm also generally high when I'm listening to anything, so. <laughs> it's not yeah, like I'm sitting there going, is this allowed on the podcast? Or <laughs> uh, I fly kites and listen to Pink Floyd. <laughs> Everything I do is uh, legal for an adult to do in Canada, okay? Cannot speak to Archie's mom. <laughs> 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 so 
Anyways. Sorry, Mum, I just ratted you out. <laughs> Anyways, now that we're uh, admitting crimes, I think we should talk about video games. Possibly. Um, right after this short break, uh, when, when we return, uh, we will be discussing uh, Citizen Sleeper and Lost Nova and One More Island and Path of Exile, just as a few highlights, and uh, we'll be back right after this. Hi there, podcast listeners. Whoa, Jess here. If you missed me on today's episode, never fear. Stop by on Twitch instead. You can find me at twitch.tv slash woe underscore Jess, Monday through Thursday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Please enjoy the rest of this episode, and thank you for listening. And we are back. Once again, this is the Halcyon Frequency Podcast, episode 19. I don't know if I said that at the top. Oh, well. Uh, airing May 2022. May 22nd, 2022. There's too many twos in that date. Uh, and uh, Arch wants to talk about a video game called Lost Nova. Yeah. Uh, so this is a review key I was sent for a game. And I've had a few recently. And I thought, you know what? I'll give this one a try because I loved the look of it. It had a very, um, almost like a pastel-y vaporwave style. It was, it was very, very cool looking. And I have to say, um, we we have finally what well, it's May, and we've got the first game that's made me cry in uh, <laughs> in twenty twenty two. It was an absolutely beautiful game. Um, it had some really great humor, uh, great visual mechanics were nice and easy. It was just a really fun game to play, and you know my community loved watching it too. So yeah. Um, I've not normally taken a, a risk on, on new games like that lately. Like I'm, I'm trying to break out of my shell. Like I think uh, we recall the last few times I was on the podcast. I was like, oh yeah, I'm playing the same old games I always did because you know, that's my, that's my safety place. Um, and started actually trying new things and Lost Nova is just one that's felt absolutely rewarding for doing so. You know, it's, it's a great game nice and easy sort of like a platformer or adventure game where you run around um there's no combat it's it's not a combat one it's more puzzle and resource collection based and so you tend to just wander around harvest resources solve puzzles or challenges by talking to people and um yeah no are really nice and smooth and you get to hug the bunnies so I, I think FG spoke about this one last week. Yeah, and she did. The, the the gist that I kind of get on this is that it's 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 one of the it's one of those farming kind of crafty buildy games, right? But short um, and bite sized. Yeah, so it's. I wouldn't even really call it crafting or or farming because it literally is. You wander around, collect the resources as you adventure, come back, click a button, and you get the item. Very rarely is it, okay, I want to do this, 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 so I've got to go get this resource, this resource, this resource. They tend to come as you progress, which makes it feel like just a general progression and growth. At not one point does it start feeling grindy. And it's just, it's it's light enough on that stuff, bite enough on that stuff to really just enjoy the story. And yeah, it is quite short. I think um, uh, probably about... I don't know, six hours or so to finish for me. And that was FG did it on four. stream. Yeah. She probably speaks faster than me, you know, <laughs> gets, gets lost left, less off, less often. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's an absolutely great game and I really enjoyed it. And 
Yeah, it gets two arch thumbs up. Yeah, because I, 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 like you, uh, enjoy that that aesthetic um, for Lost Nova. And it, it's just this, it's got this really nice cart, like, what I remember Saturday morning cartoons looking like, but not ruined by what Saturday morning cartoons look like now, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, so it, it's been on my watch list, but I was worried it would be just end up being too grindy for me because I'm very sensitive to crafting survival farmy grind and I'm not a fan. So. Yeah, see, that's what I like about this. It wasn't survival. That's one thing I want to stress. You you can't die, you know? You literally roam around, collect stuff. You meet really interesting people. Like, one of the introductory quest is you go to a guy and he's like, oh, can you deliver these apples to this other guy? He's like, I'm busy because i got my music practice on. So you're like, okay. You take the apples and the guy's like, oh, he's not here? Oh, it's a shame. He's my friend. You know, and you're like... He's got music practice on. He said you should drop by if you can. He's like, okay, I'll be there. And then it's this whole quest of they start a band. And as you roam along, it's it's not like a quest where you go, okay, I've got to go to point A, point B, point C, point D. As you progress through the game, you will find these, these NPCs in a little spot and they'll be having a conversation. You know, you don't have to do anything to progress to the next part. You just have to come along and be it. They'll be at the next town. You talk to them and they'll literally be just progressing along in their own little story you're just catching uh catching glimpses of it and i think that's absolutely great and you know it feels a lot more peaceful than a game where you're like okay i've got this quest i've got to go here do this do that do that i've got to fight this i've got to collect this you literally just follow the story and the world follows with you yeah that sounds cool need to try that i think yeah, FG didn't tell us last week that you can hug bunnies as well. Yeah. Yeah, that... yeah, there's there's actually an achievement. See, this is the thing. I thought only one of the bunnies could be hugged, but there's actually a cheat an achievement for uh where is it? Hug every bunny. Pet every bunny in every town. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's really cute design very very really nice stories like again i teared up at the end because like it's a short game it's a simple game yet it does carry a lot of meaning of you know because a lot of it is the character is overworked they're being forced on a holiday and you know then things go wrong and they're trying to get back because they want to get back they got to get back to this and everyone just keeps saying relax and you know it's sort of got that feeling of if you spend too much time working and not resting things are going to be bad so uh yeah do go play that game blind for absolutely no reason noted <laughs> noted um Bellinaire, do you want to talk to us a little bit about one more island and yeah sure so i was a uh, sent a key for this as well and then one of my viewers was like when are we gonna try this game it's like ah today so yesterday i gave it a go and uh, it's, it's basically like a colony simulator. If you throw like a little, little rim world or um, prison architect uh, in there, um, although no combat of any kind, and then you marry it with Anno. So like in Anno, you have like a multiple, multiple islands all over the place, uh, and you start with one, and um, you have different fertilities on an island. So like this island can grow these plants, and then the other one can grow tea, and then one third one can grow spice, and you get diamonds on this island and so on, which is exactly from like Anno. And it's actually a really interesting combination of that. Uh, also, 
you have the same uh, like a leveling mechanic for your population. So in Anno, you need to provide the basic needs so that they don't starve, which is Anno. In Anno is um, fish, and it's also in one more island. Uh, you provide fish, they don't die, but they also have these extra needs that you can provide if you want, um, which gives you research points. And once you uh, basically provide all of those needs uh, and get the research, you can level them up to next tier, and those uh, the fish and the bonus needs become the necessary needs, so they'll die if they don't have all of those four needs, and then they get like, a new set of uh, higher tier material that uh, gives the next research points, and then those become your basic needs when you move to the next tier, and so on and so on. So it gets more and more complex, same way as I know. Um, and it's, it's kind of weird uh, how it, well it works in a, a colony management game as well. And it, it's a uh, recently came into early access, and it works surprisingly well. I had some issues with the UI um, being clunky here and there, but like nothing major. But as the, the game itself works out just perfectly. So I, I'm staring at the Steam page right now, and I want to clarify something. It's not in early access. It is. Oh, like it's full not release, according. Oh, it is full release. It, it, yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm kind of surprised by a game going full release nowadays. Especially a game like this. <laughs> it does um, feel like this, it has. It kind of. Sorry, like the whole, uh, it feels like it has that like the whole whole game like you have the beginning and the tutorial which could be better and then uh you go through all the way like colonizing the islands and then uh, eventually you um, have to declare independence because you're basically colonizing like a new world and then and then there's like there's a queen who comes to complain and demand taxes and so on and then eventually you want to have an independence so it does feel like they have like the whole length of the game like they, they have all the parts in there but I, I feel it could be expanded uh, well, I mean, so these game, these types of games are very modular and expandable. But go on, Arch. Yeah, the um, the thing about this is, I saw this and I got very, very keen. It sounded right up my alley. The graphics looked up my alley, and then I started reading the reviews, and they they tended to say it was like Anno, but not in necessarily a a good way. Like it was like Anno, but missing things. Is that how you feel about it? Like. If you wanted to play a true one of these, would you suggest Anno, or would you say this is a good introduction for someone who's not necessarily played a lot of those type of games? I would say it's a good, like, a light uh, introduction to that type of game. You don't need to have, like, that massive uh, production chains and transportation and everything as uh, in Anno, obviously. Um, but also, I feel like Anno is getting, like, especially the newest one, because there is so much content, it gets a little too much already. I think I would say this. As somebody who's played Anno, I really enjoy, like, the first half of an Anno game. And then, as Bell says, they get too crazy and obnoxious. Also, Anno has some of the most insufferable RTS combat I've ever experienced in a video game, <laughs> yeah, just period. Okay. Like, nobody ever talks about that, but the RTS combat in Anno is awful. The yeah, city building side okay. is great. The yeah, whenever RTS I play Anno, like, the old ones or the new bad. one, I just uh, disable the combat straight up, obviously. There's yeah. already so much so, to do, and the combat is just the worst feature of the game, so why not just uh, get rid of that when it does already? Yeah. Like, but the, the last thing I would also you... note is this is $20, Anno is like $180 for the game and all of the DLC. So yeah, what they're comparing it to is not fair. Here. <laughs> yeah. that, that makes sense, and that is kind of the bit that I was sort of sitting about thinking about as like, 
you know, Anno looks great, but it looks like if you really want the full experience, it's expensive. This definitely feels I mean, like more of the, like, the Halfer, like the first Halfer for Anno experience, the better one. <laughs> so if you like that one, I would say this would also be nicer for you. But also, it, it does have this whole like a prison architecture, rim world uh, kind of side to it as well. Although you don't really care. Like, I've had like 130 colonists currently at this moment. So you don't really care about this individuals that much. Uh, they don't really have that much individuality to them as well. It's just basically numbers and right. tiers of population. You know, just, just looking at this game and reading about it and talking about it makes me want to check back in with Lords and Villains. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, uh, these, like, colony management games that came are coming out and have been coming out uh, that are kind of either uh, trying to be a copy of uh, Dwarf Fortress or trying to be a copy of RimWorld or trying to be or some kind of space version. That... And or they all trying to take that to... archetype and do something different with it. Yeah, so this this, this definitely does something. To, I, I, like I was explaining on my, my stream yesterday as well that uh, it's not trying to be either of those. It's trying to take that um, like economy management uh, theme and then throwing a anno into it uh, and trying some new things with it. And I think it actually works really well yeah. for that kind of thing. Interesting. Like I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be playing game. it more myself uh, as well, but I would also already recommend it from like the five six hours I did yesterday. Especially like uh, most of our team likes like Rim Worlds and that kind of type of games or Dwarf Fortress, and I, I think uh, it definitely fits that kind of a uh, player and audience as well. Gotcha. Good to know. Um, I'm gonna talk about Haya for a second here because I got a quick one um if if assuming we're all done with one more island yep okay it's so already on I, my list <laughs> I, I've, I've got this game called Haya um this is one that I can do real quick because it's real short you can 100% this game in about I don't know an hour maybe 30 minutes if you are good at it um but I've played it for about two hours now um, it's two bucks. Uh, it's uh, independent developer Chocolocalypse. Chocoloc. Ch Ch Chocolocalypse. It, it's Chocolate Apocalypse. Okay. Um, but um, it's it's their first game that they've made that's for sale. Um, they they've it's somebody I've followed on Twitter and they they used to work in AAA Studios and they've done other game things, but this is their first independent release. Um, and essentially, it's I want to say it's Fruit Ninja but ultra-violent, but that's also not totally true. Um, it's a top-down arena arcade game. There's a bunch of different characters with different kind of perks, and the whole mechanic of the game is you have a bar that fills up. When that bar is full, um, although it doesn't necessarily need to be full because some characters don't need it to be full, but by default, when the bar is full, you can hit the left mouse button. You run around with WASD, and you hit the left mouse button. Like It's literally just WASD, mouse button. You hit the mouse... And then the game kind of goes black and white, and you draw a line. And enemies are spawning on the map, and you, you, you play as various variations of samurai, right? The you, you draw the line, and you draw the line through the enemies, and then you shoot through the enemies, and then you have to wait like three seconds before you can attack again. You have to run around, dodge their bullets, and dodge their attacks. And then you hit the button, and then you go into uh, this kind of bullet time mode again, and then you draw a line through the enemies and then your character just shoots through all the enemies and they all explode into blood and you get a combo and it's very satisfying 
Um, and there's different characters with different variations. So one character moves twice as fast. One of them, the bar charges way faster and they can use it whenever. Um, one of them, they don't have the speed slowdown. One of them, they have a big hammer. So when they finish the attack, they smash the hammer down and do a big AOE. And it, it's just a little score attack game. It's, it's super simple. And each one of the different characters has a little set of goals that they need to achieve, but it's two bucks and it's a bit of fun. And I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I really like this uh, new trend of uh, like uh, having these very small games for like two dollars, three dollars, uh, like the high end, uh, like the Vampire Survivors, and all all these uh, games that have been coming out lately. Like you, you can try like a small concept of an idea that's just fun for like several hours, and it doesn't really cost you anything. Yeah, I don't think that this game is going to have as much replayability as something like Vampire Survivors. I mean, like, it, it does have global online leaderboards and whatnot, which was kind of funny when I was playing it pre-release because it was just, like, me, the developer, and then, like, three other people. Um, but, like, it's... It, 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 it doesn't have as much meat on its bones as something like a Vampire Survivors, but it it's definitely a, a fun couple hours. Yeah, for, like, a $2 or uh, something, two hours or three hours of entertainment is already pretty good value. And it, yeah. it's got this really good, like, kind of hip-hop-y sounding soundtrack in the background while you're cutting through stuff and it's very satisfying oh yeah that's uh, always cool when uh, they do that like there was the uh, what was it called anyway some old, some older game as well that uh, was like a couple of euros and then the soundtrack was like amazing so it's like and then you get the soundtrack with the game as well it's like i paid for the music i didn't care about the game that much although the game was very fun as well and i, I it sounds like one similar case uh, where the music is amazing for just two dollars um, have either of you seen the anime Samurai Shampoo? Yes. This is I've seen pretty it. close to being a Samurai Shampoo game. Ooh. Like one one of the dudes that you can play as is like wearing a tuxedo and he has like sunglasses and a massive pipe and a pompadour and a sword. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's that kind of game. It's it's great. It's cool. Yeah, talking about the cheap uh, two euro, three euro dollar games. Uh, I was playing uh, some Nova Survival uh, this week, uh, which is basically a copy of a Vampire Survivor. So pretty much to down to all the mechanics and everything. But they also have some uh, some of their own uh, things thrown in there, and also the graphical style is much better, pixely art. Uh, and uh, I actually really enjoyed that, uh, and uh, we'll be definitely playing more of. That also, uh, but yeah, it, it is basically vamp if you play Vampire Survivors, this is exactly the game. You know every single mechanic basically immediately. It's like, oh, this is this game's this version, and this is this game's this version. Um, so it's basically just more of Vampire Survivor, but um, it has different weapons and like different characters and uh, different style of levels. So it's different enough to be its own thing. If you like that that game, type of game, I I love mm. that these air quotes survival games like i mean you're talking about nomad survival here but like I, I there's 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 like four or five i can think of off the top of my head and then there's this uh obviously the mandatory uh big anime titties one that's going to be coming out later this year as well which looks very colorful yeah, um, that's but like, well. yeah but like the one gripe that i have with this 
this genre. Like, I, I don't really like Vampire Survivors. I, I, need, I think that's pretty known on this podcast. Um, the one actual gripe I have with this genre of games is that they're always classified as roguelikes, and people need to just reclassify them as, like, arcade games or something, because they are not I was actually talking about the same thing uh, on, on my stream. Like, they're starting to be, like, a genre of these games now. Um, like they, they're, what, what they're literally them? arcade shmups. Yeah. They're arcade shmups. Like they're score attacks. That's that's what yeah, they are. Yeah, pretty much. Stop. Yeah, with like <sighs> a meta progression. Like, I I remember because I when when Vampire Survivors came out, I I streamed it. Um, and I I had this long discussion with my chat that like, this would be the most successful arcade game ever if this was an arcade game. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely an arcade. Yeah, an arcade. And like people should they they should just call them arcade score attacks like they people, anyway that that's my one actual gripe with those games yeah. aside from that I think they're a little boring so sadly like weird. arcade is like a dead term at this point like there's no more arcades eh? people have forgotten yeah, about well. those things would be nice if we could like which a, is a shame in and of itself yes we need like a resurface of it. score attack we can call them score attack right people know what score attack is right yeah right. Right? Well, I, I didn't know it before you said it, but I picked up on it pretty quickly, so, you know. I mean, a, a score attack is the, a game where you're trying to compete to get higher up on a leaderboard. That's a score attack. Yeah, but nothing, after game over, nothing progresses. A roguelike is where there's progression, even in that. No, you can have progression in a score attack. Well, I mean, there there's really? no progression in, like... For, in those survival games. Those survival games, you just unlock new characters and new maps. Okay. Oh, you can also unlock upgrade, new so. characters and new maps and new leaderboards. You do have, and also you can like also unlock permanent upgrades. But yeah. like, it's still just a score attack game. It's not a, it's not a roguelike. Also, roguelikes you don't upgrade anything ever. Ah! Anyway, um, this is a bad subject. Yeah. <laughs> this could yeah, be man. a uh, podcast <laughs> of its own as well. Like a... moving right along. Mm-hmm. Um. Nothing people call roguelikes are actually roguelikes. That's the that's the actual problem. Yeah, anyway, so what are the um, this one? So let's see. Nova Survival. Hiya. Well, one more island. Uh, Arch, talk to me about Sunhaven. Yeah. Um, it's under your list. I don't know what's that. <laughs> it's uh, imagine if someone played Stardew Valley and went this game. This game needs some more D&D style stuff. I like more heavier RPG elements. Um, it's a, you know, farming crafting game, but it's got a lot more leaning on combat and exploration than Stardew Valley did. Um, it's been on my radar for a while. It was a Kickstarter game that was released last year. The one thing that always kind of held me back is the way the the characters sit over the over the world. You know, it's very clear that they are. It, it's almost like imagine a beautifully painted world, and then little cutout anime pictures that you place over it for the characters. You know, like playing a board game or something. They do feel slightly off, and that was a visual thing that I sort of struggled with a lot. But the game itself is really solid. It's nice. It feels good. It, um, you know, adds more skill progression and more sort of stuff within that to, uh, to do it. And I had a lot of, I, I had a lot of people, not a lot, actually. I had two or three come in and say, oh, this is a ripoff of Stardew Valley. But, you know, I, I maintain it's absolutely not. 
Um, Stardew Valley is a ripoff of Harvest Moon. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. Uh, all, all, there, there's no original thoughts, but it was honestly closer to um, Graveyard Keeper, I'd say, in terms of that than Stardew Valley. So, yeah, but it was a fun little game. Um, I've, I've played it a little bit off stream. I don't think I'd play it on stream again. Um, because yeah, it's, it's, it's fun, but the, the character design does throw me a lot. Like it, even the shading and stuff, it looks like they're a solid block that's in, in, in front of what's like in front of the environment. So yeah, but, um, I quite enjoyed it for, for the time that I did play it and I keep coming back and I'm like, oh yeah, the characters. I'm looking then at later this on, I'm right like, now. Because I, I, I've never heard of this until you mentioned it, until I read it on the doc just now. Um, I'm looking at the Steam page, and the fourth screenshot on the Steam page. The heck is that? That's all okay, I have to me, say. Is that a, a dragon? Head, is that a giant cat with wings? Is that oh my God. a dragon? That is, that is Elios. He is the protector of the forest, and he is the sun dragon. He is majestic. That is so is that a sure. dragon dressed up in its fursona? Like, what am I looking at? <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's like a lion, a lion-themed dragon. I don't think they, they go into any God. specifics trying so, to explain who and what he is. But Do they call it a dragon in this game? Yes. Man, and I get mad at Skyrim for claiming to have dragons. But it has four legs and, and wings and tail, so it's, it's a dragon, it's not it's, a wyvern. But it's not reptilian. It's, it's a lion it's dragon. Fuzzy. It, it's it's lion it's about its species accurate, is what it it's is. It's accurate dragon like dinosaurs. Uh. <laughs> you go to Elios, the dragon guardian of Sunhaven, and tell him he's not a dragon and see what he says. Also, I love Elios as in they just drop the H from Helios. <laughs> so uh, how much content does this have? Uh, like, how, how much have you played it uh, so far? So I've played about six hours, yeah, and I believe I have scratched the surface a little bit. Because uh, <laughs> you know, I am it's, very it's, it is in very this. in depth. Yeah, it's been uh, I got the, to... eleven months in uh, early access so far. So just to put it in in um, comparison, there's five different skill trees based on exploration, farming, combat, mining, and fishing. Each skill tree has 10 levels. Each level has five skills. And each skill has like upwards of three points to put into them. So there is a huge amount of customization, a huge amount of stuff like that. And it can be played multiplayer, which I think would really up the experience a lot more. But yeah, it is quite a lot of fun in terms of the individual play. For me, a lot of the drawback was... You know, it looked a little bit like an RPG maker, like style characters, and like the the background art and all of that is good. If they'd just spent a bit more time working on the actual characters for me, it would have felt a lot better. Yeah, I very much agree. Looking at these screenshots, that the backgrounds look like amazing, a lot of them, and then uh, yeah, the some of the characters in the just environment are really clash with the. I'm still yeah, bothered so. by this fuzzy dragon, though. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the biggest the biggest issue I had starting out with it was the actions are slow, and you're like, is this clunky? Like, I I well, I was sitting there going, I don't know if I can play a full stream with it being so clunky. Like, because you would go ho, move across ho. Turns out, 
it's just representing low skill. As your skill gets better, you go ho 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 ho, like like you, like Santa, Santa Claus. Claus. Yeah. yeah. I hope <laughs> it goes like proper can... like anime farming at the end, as just standing in the middle of this, yeah, well, whoa, and everything is just growing. <laughs> Scroll down the screen to the about this game and you watch a guy cast basically a hoe the field spell and then another oh, person yeah. cast yeah. rain clouds to water it. You know? Like it, it gets full anime. <laughs> like Goku goes farming, you know. Also fifteen romanceable characters. Humans, elves, demons, and multiple animal races. Yeah, yeah. Uh I you could be a naga, so like a snake person, you could be a beast person. I was an angel, which nobody seemed to care about. Like, I was walking around with wings and a halo, and everyone's like, yeah, hi, you must be the new guy here. I mean, it's your average anime yeah. world, and it's like, no, nobody yeah, pays yeah. attention. It's like, oh, I mean, in, wings, a, in okay. a world where there's fuzzy dragons, nothing is sacred. They also, wow. also, if you look at the seventh <laughs> picture on the Steam, uh, they seem to have a, a purple Totoro as well. Yeah, you've got to feed them certain things in order to... Um, to get past them they're, they're, that's absolutely great it's like the whole thing is fun do not get me wrong at all the only issue I had was the character art. but even then you know it's you're able to if you're able to look past that you will have an absolute ball in this game mm-hmm. and yeah I mean they uh, have like a couple of hasn't streamed this yet <laughs> it seems like a suey game yeah I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of well, playing I've... this as well. I might have to convince some people to play on a multiplayer as well. Um, I actually had FG message me saying, "Hey, you should um, you should check this game out." You know, she thought it was a, an art style game. One person has played it, and it took them thirty eight hours to finish it, to finish the main story. Mm, that sounds pretty good value as well. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, really good, but. So it looks like a lot of it came from a Kickstarter. Like you can see, there's two thousand very positive ratings. It's sitting in a really good spot. Mm-hmm. Um, just yeah, no, fully recommend. And I guess there's if, also a bunch of content still to come since they're only at patch zero point five. On the yeah, topic- there was just an update for it the other day. Yeah. On the on the topic of lots of content, uh, Bellinair, how's uh, Path of Exile? It is. Uh, it's not great, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, so they <laughs> launched uh, a new league um, last Friday. Before before you say anything, if you said it's not great, my only question is: Ah, you must be in the first half of the league. <laughs> it, it is. Yes. Yes. It is. The POE cycle is release a new league. Everyone complains halfway through, release an apology, fix it. By the time the end of the league, it's actually a really good and fun mechanic. The, the league, league itself is actually, uh, it's called Sentinel this time. And it's actually a really good uh, and interesting mechanic. It's very low key, so you can just do it whenever you feel like. And doesn't really stop your uh, whatever you're normally doing. Oh, great. But that is actually not the issue. Like, the league mechanic this time, surprisingly, is actually good. And it's like almost like you press a button and it prints currency for you. <laughs> and it's so good. Uh, but the, re- nice. the problem is the previous league. So uh, before this league, they had a league called uh, Arch Nemesis, where you were basically able to choose uh, like these things uh, that made you your Arch Nemesis that you fought. And you uh, had like four items you put into it, and that de- uh, decided what kind of um, abilities it had. 
there was like a base type of monster, and then you added your own modifiers onto it, like like action RPGs do when they randomize monsters. This one has fire infused, and this is gold infused, and so on. Um, so they introduced this new set of um, modifiers with the arch nemesis, uh, uh, and they were su supposed to be like these really challenging modifiers that you build up into your arch nemesis. If you want to, you could also just skip the mechanic and not, not do it at all if you felt it was too risky. And there was also a really big reward tied to each of these. The, the harder you made it, uh, the more reward you got. Which was kind of ne neat for one uh, league and everything. So as always, they, they kind of try to make a league and then put the league mechanic into the base game uh, in the coming, uh, like the future... Uh, uh, leagues. Uh, yeah. So this time around, they decided we'll take these really challenging, mega powerful modifiers from the Arch Nemesis and we'll just replace the old modifiers on the rare and magic monsters without increasing oh. uh, any of the rewards or anything. So, so you oh, suddenly oh. have like every <laughs> single every single one of these like uh, rare monsters is suddenly a boss fight with no rewards, starting from level one, <laughs> and it's it's a nightmare. Uh, they yeah. they're just not balanced for that kind of thing. And also, since uh, you have like the, all of these old league mechanics, like you have Heist and you have a Delve and you have uh, all the other ones, uh, uh, and Blight especially as well. And these new uh, modifiers spawn on the mon uh, monsters, like Blight and Delve and uh, the, uh, the Heist, like really spam rare and magic monsters at you. So you'll have like a million of these super powerful monsters in, in a content that's balanced originally to the previous modifiers and challenge. And it just literally breaks the game. Like, it, it's that bad. Really? And that it's, it's funny because they, they said that the, we have done extensive testing. I was I was playing this on stream and I was memeing the whole extensive testing because it, it's not extensively or tested in any way. Like, it, they literally <laughs> just threw fair, them in the game without thinking and checked, okay, this works, Yeah, let's go. To be fair... <laughs> Uh, what what is what does Path of Exile users hit? Um, like Path of Exile in the new league, they hit uh, you know like well, like just having a quick look here, um, nineteen thousand average players, so peaking up towards a hundred thousand. There's absolutely no way to 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 test across a hundred thousand people, but you would think that the balance of it all would have been identified sooner. So hopefully they fix that because... They have made it a little better experience, already. Yeah, in my experience, the, the one the one redeeming factor is they, they are willing to step in and change things mid-patch. Yeah. Like mid-league and be like, okay, this is wrong. We're doing these changes. Yeah, they, they literally patched uh, some of the stuff um, the, their launch day. Like, they like this is not good. <laughs> There was also some bugs that related to them, like attack animations missing from a monster or a bosser, which is a slight small issue. <laughs> slight? Uh, yeah, and then, then they, like, first quick patch, they, they reduced a lot of the numerical values, and then they deleted some of the mods, uh, and they changed some of the mods, and, like, it was not extensively tested, for sure. Like, this was, this, was, this would be something, if you if you played a one character from, a, like, the... Uh, campaign to end of the campaign a couple of the maps uh, that's basically after campaign a portion of the game if, if you did that you would have noticed that all of these issues like literally you, you you cannot play through that without noticing all of these problems and then uh, the new mechanic the the, uh, the sentinel actually also buffs monsters because it's, it's like this uh, small robot that flies for next to you and buffs monsters for you and depending on what kind of sentinel you have 
uh, you get different bonuses on and how difficult the monsters turn. So you have already these mega powerful mods from the previous league, and we are supposed to buff them even more now. <laughs> and it just mm. clashes really badly. But on, on, well, other than that, the league is actually one of the best leagues. Uh, like it's really fun to play if you're not suffering from the monsters. <laughs> Well, with all that said, hopefully they're able to kind of clean it up and make it another one of the good leagues, as Arch was referring to. Um, yeah. Sadly, it's kind of hard to recover from the launch. Like, a lot of the players are like, nope, I'm out, and we'll wait for the next league. So, especially if you're playing on the trade league, that means uh, thousands of players are less to trade with, uh, and a lot, of, lot less uh, of the rare items and everything on the market, uh, which makes it a lot harder to get them in decent time. More game to play. Yeah, it is. But it's, it's also... You don't like the grind, so it's more of the grind. The boring kind of grind, yeah. and not the fun kind of grind. Speaking of the fun kind of grind, uh, Arch, what game do you want to talk about next? You got two here. Ooh, ooh, the fun kind of grind. I would absolutely have to say, in that sense... Um, oh, now, now I'm really... I think V Rising... I've been playing V Rising all day today. I bought it this morning. <laughs> um, it's so fun. It's like, you know, it's a good segue for Path of Exile because it, it is sort of like the top-down Path of Exile sort of view, but with like Valheim mechanics, you know? You can just run through, you can cut trees down, mine, like break stone, and this, but it's set in this dark and gloomy vampire-ridden world. And it's just such a really fun and in entertaining exploration game at this point, you know? Um, I, I've not gotten too far into it. The one thing that sort of held me back is, the same thing that held me back in uh, Valheim is, you know, you go out, you harvest raw resources, they need processing. And to process, it's like 20 stone to make a brick, but it also takes a minute or, you know, 20 seconds or whatever. But that means you go out and get a stack of 500 bricks. Uh, sorry, 500 stone. You put it in. That's like, you know, a couple of minutes that you're waiting for. And then you have like 30 stone that you then use up in 10 seconds. You know, and that is that is the, the one challenge that I'm having with the game. but you know, again, balance in that, and if anything like Valheim, the modding community tends to step in and speeds things up too. But it is a really fun game in the sense of, you know, it's not like, okay, you go here to fight the boss, you go there to fight the boss, you progress to this next thing. I literally cleared an area, and there was a little forest next to it, and I thought, okay, I'll put my base here. Put my base, started building, and I'm like, okay, I need some lumber, I'll go cut that tree. That tree turned out to be an ent. That promptly got up, killed me, and then proceeded to stalk my base for a while. And I had to run away and sort of wait for it to resettle. And it was a lot of fun. You know, I enjoy those resource collection games and the ones that you kind of sit there and go, right, I want to put in these new walls. So for the next while, I'm working on stone. And the really cool benefits, sorry, the cool mechanics of this game are you, that different creatures have different blood types. And they give you different bonuses. So if you drink blood from a a creature, 
like a creature type creature, so like a wild animal, like a wolf or deer, you get bonuses to like movement speed and such. Whereas, you know, if you, if you hunt humans and you get like the rogue, that gives you more critical. They're the archers and the poachers. If you go after the, the soldiers, you can get warriors and brutes and one is raw, uh, raw strength and such. And then you can go after the workers who give you um, bonuses for like resource collection and stuff. So there is a wide variety of that. And like the, the various benefits of the different types of blood mean that, you know, you, you, you actively find yourself as like, okay, I've got to go find another a worker because my blood's low and I want to keep this benefit. So you find yourself stalking through the camps, looking for the right kind of person. Um, <laughs> I've, I've kind of really enjoyed it. Um, I don't think I'd play it on stream. It's not tied to, it's not a very chill game. Um, but you know, it's an absolutely fun game to play with the community because we have a public server or a, a private server, uh, for Halcyon subscription members. So I, little segue. Do, do, do you want me to like take a big dump on your excitement for this game? I'll fight you, but sure. Cause that, that's, that's my opinion. Um, so I first off, this game's not for me, right? Um, was mildly interested in the concept and then realized that it was top-down Valheim and noped the heck out completely. Um, but the actual thing that bothers me about this game is it is incredible to me how quickly the internet forgets. And what I'm what I mean by that is this this V Rising this video game is made by Stunlock Studios, right? Stunlock Studios is, or pre previously, was a PvP arena game developer. They made PvP games. Their first game was Bloodline Champions, which released in, I think, 2009, off Steam originally, which is when I played it. Um, and Or I played, like, some early version of it. Um, which was a top-down PvP combat game, kind of akin to, like, a World of Warcraft arena, but much more... Um, accuracy and timing focused and a lot harder um very esports focused they ran weekly tournaments they ran monthly tournaments with cash prizes you could like players could pay into a pool uh to enter these tournaments and then you could win stop like it was it was a neat game but the development team did did a really, really, really poor job moderating the game and putting any sorts of moderation tools into the game at all to the point where it was one of, like, people say that League of Legends is toxic. Oh boy, you poor children, you don't know anything. And this game has global chat. <laughs> so it's like, at, so that. Um, then uh, at their, the game kind of got to a point where it wasn't quite keeping them up and running. So what they did was they removed all of their moderation tools um, and gave the players control over making tournaments and then said, we're not updating it anymore. So a game that I really, really enjoyed playing, which was difficult to enjoy due to a horribly toxic, nightmarish community, um, became unplayable due to just the absolute insanity that that game became afterwards, and now it barely runs on modern computers. Then, a couple of years later, they put a game called Battle Right into early access for 
And they promised it was going to be bloodline champions, but they were going to have proper moderation tools and similar uh, ideas and concepts. Much more colorful art style, uh, much more um, like kind of League of Legendsy or Smitey, kind of more palatable to a mainstream audience. Um, but more or less promised to be what bloodline champions was intended to be. Then the most popular genre in the world suddenly became Battle Royale games. They halted slash stopped development of Battle Right, dumped the game, stopped updating it, made the game free to play, and then took the exact same game and made a pay-to-play spin-off, which is now free to play, um, called Battle Right Royale, and made it into a Battle Royale game, which upon release had overwhelmingly negative reviews. Um, at this point, uh, it's recovered to very positive because Steam deemed that as a review bomb, even though it was actually just the community going, hey, we like the other game, update the other game. And then uh, after that stopped making money and everybody stopped playing it, um, they're now making V Rising. So I'd just like to get a little wipe and clear away that turd. Uh, v Rising. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely get that. There's... Like, I have so much bad, bad blood for this studio. The second I realized it was that studio, I was like, I I can't support this. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, that's, that's people fair. That's fair. need to hold studios accountable for abusing the hell out of their community, and it upsets me how quickly people forget. The, the moderation tools is one thing, and I do completely understand that. You know, failing to moderate a game and, and make, failing to make sure it doesn't fall into that toxic cesspit is on the developers and such. Now, the development changes with the games, the, the decision changes around the games, I mean, on one hand, yeah, but on the other hand, sometimes things don't work out the way you hope they do. And and I hope that that's the case. I hope they approach with the best intentions and realized at some point we can't actually deliver on this and then had to pivot, you know, whether it's budget, whether it's scope or anything like that. The thing about this versus Vampire Rising or V Rising is those games are community-based games, whereas V Rising is, you're able to play by yourself, offline, with your friends. And to me, that... I, that that alone... It, 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 to me, it doesn't matter what V Rising is, because I still mm. feel like I haven't gotten an apology for the, you know, couple hundred hours I put into Bloodline Champions. Like I, I yeah, still, I, I, there's still bad blood there that is like still hanging, and it's like maybe you need to become a vampire go drain some new blood. No, I don't want to play a crafting <laughs> survival game. Thanks. So it's like I am very much looking forward to playing this. Uh, to be honest, I, I'm sure that Vampires uh, Rising <laughs> or V Rising is fantastic, and it's the hype game right now, and everybody seems to love it. But when they abandon it and don't finish it and pump it full of expensive microtransactions and the PvP scene for that game becomes a nightmare, which is, from what I can tell, the designed endgame of that. Well, there is like 60 bosses or something as well. History so there is a PvE yeah. element. Oh, I know that there's a PvE element, but every single person I've talked to is like, you, you grind up, you build your base, and then you go play PvP. And I'm like, oh no. 
No, it's like Ark. So Ark, Ark is a PvP game where you grind up and you build yes, your base and you go PvP. but Ark is a bad game by a studio that Ark doesn't know how great. to make mechanics that lend themselves to PvP. This is a studio that knows how to make finely tuned, intricate PvP mechanics. And watching gameplay of V Rising, it has all of that trapping. It like that game looks like Bloodline Champions in the way it plays. Like it's a Stunlock Studios game through and through. Like yes, it 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 definitely has a large PVE element, but to me this is a a studio that has had problems with its community for its entire the entirety of its existence pivoting to a different format of game rather than addressing their inability to moderate. And that scares me away by default. Mm. Regardless of the type of game that it is. No, that's fair. That's fair. Because they didn't do it once. They didn't do it twice. They did it three times. So anyway, enjoy V Rising. I hope that they redeem all of their problems. (laughs) And I hope that they don't continue that trend of, hey, Here's a bunch of skins that are more expensive than the base game that we already have in the game at launch. And uh, we're giving it to all the streamers for free, by the way. So go sign up at this website and then promote it, please. That's very stunlock. Mm. But it's also a lot of other, uh, other companies who do similar games. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, totally. Honestly, it doesn't mean I agree with it or work, like that practice. No, if those it, this is a lot of marketing tactic, but it also works. If they yeah, didn't work, they it. wouldn't be doing them. Just you know, because can, it works doesn't it. mean I can support it. But you're not supporting it by buying the game and enjoying the game as it is. You support it by buying the skins. If you don't like that, don't buy the skins. That's that. That's kind of the thing. Like that's not. I I'm okay works. with microtransactions in games. I, you know, it I, I honestly am. It, it, it does depend a little bit on that. But if someone can pay to get different looking things or like as long as it doesn't provide a competitive advantage right so i am perfectly fine with someone dressed out to the wazoo in skins i am perfectly fine someone playing on their own server with their own various things that they've purchased if i'm up against competing with someone who is stronger than me that is one thing but if i don't have any interaction with them i honestly do not care and this is this is the thing If it's a free-to-play game that's been out for a while or a game that's been out for a while, fine. Throw in your paid skins. If you're putting in paid skins at launch and it's part of your launch promotion, no. Are you referring to a paid game, like pay-to-play with paid skins? The Rising, right now, on the Steam page, okay? Yeah. If you go to their Steam page, it's it's $22.79 in Canadian dumb money, right? Yeah. Then... There's the Relics pack, which is $11.49, and the Founders pack of the Eldest Bloodline, which is another $33.49, making the game $61.44 for their recommended V Rising Plus launch DLC bundle. Yeah? That's stupid. Launch a video game. That. Do you know how. I know how this so industry many works. Games. That's, that's, we're not even talking something out of the blue with this. This is, this is how games work. This is how Steam works, mm-hmm. you know? And I condemn it every games... time. But there's, there's, there's like, for me personally, if you want to look cool in your vampire game that you play by yourself and it costs money, 
Go do you. I'm right. gonna make they are already portioning content out. Because uh, Sorry? this is an early access launch. Uh, I think everything should be in the early access launch by default. And then once your, once your game is like done and done, then sell extra skins. You, you mentioned Ark. I disagree. Ark, I said Arch Survival Evolved. Ark, you mentioned Ark Survival Evolved. <laughs> you remember how that game got completely canned by its community for having DLC during its early access period? This is day one early DLC during its early access period. No, this is day one. Okay, okay. It's day one Ark DLC. What else is it? Okay, that we we gotta we gotta point out a difference between skins and content. Because oh my god. This is one of these packs content. comes with craftable items that you craft in game. That's content. Skins is content. No, they palette swaps is they're content. Skins. They're skins, right? <sighs> they have no mechanical impact on the game. Sure, they require crafting. It's a crafting you day, craft for. The crafting is the content. Whatever. I I can't curse on this show. <laughs> I give up. We're at a stalemate. Yeah, you this win. Conversation Fine. To Move on. Next game. <laughs> so, uh, Bellinaire, you played Warhammer 40,000 Chaos Gate Demon Hunters, yeah? Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, I'm actually surprised by that game so much. It's an actually good Warhammer 40,000 game. It's like, what? These don't exist. It's, it's that unicorn of a Warhammer game. It's like 1 in 6 or 1 in 12. Yeah, or they, they tend to be really bad. Uh, like Really, really bad, Shuffle. most of them. And, and very mediocre, the, whole, the rest of them. There's been good ones as well. But this one is definitely much, much more on the good side. Like, this, uh, well, it, it actually, depending if you like XCOM or not. <laughs> so this is basically XCOM with, uh, like, literally this is XCOM with a uh, Warhammer skin. Which, two of my favorite things, well, among my favorite things. Like, I really love XCOM games. I'm, I've been a huge fan of those since childhood. And then uh, Warhammer has always been close to my heart as well. So you take two of those and put them together, and you expect a mess, uh, because it's a Warhammer game on PC, but they actually made a really, really good game this time. And I was blown away how nice it is. Uh, like, it's visually what you expect from, like, Warhammer. Like, really big explosions and oomph when I... and daka daka, and all of that is, like, in there. I love it. Like, visually, it's, it's so oh. awesome. The... And, I've watched, um... Kiri play it and uh, Bloody Drongo play it, I think. And every time the Grey Knights speak, I get tingles. <laughs> like, yeah, they, they've <laughs> it done is it really so. Well. Yeah, and then you watch them take the shots, and you're like, oh my gosh, they actually, you know, can take a lot of hits. Because that was always my major complaint about Space Marines in Dawn of War. You'd have a squad come out, they'd shoot them, and you'd lose three Space Marines. Like, yeah, they go pop, 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 and they'll the fall over. Yeah, they're yeah. the Emperor's finest, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> they're supposed yeah, to be indestructible this. death monsters. Yeah, yeah in, in this one, yeah, when you have standing. a guy who is like a Terminator armor spec for like a defensive abilities, he's not going to die. If, if you pop all the abilities every turn, he just doesn't die. There's no way he dies. He just laughs at the enemies. Ding, ding, ding. It didn't do any damage. You know, I'll be honest. I also watched a little bit of this, and it made me really excited that they're making a second Space Marine. I am very, very, very yeah. interested. Oh, uh, that is gosh. one of the I'm... one of the good uh, other Warhammer games that's been made. Even though it was See, horrible, uh, horrible with the quick time events, especially the final boss in that. It's just yeah. series and series of quick time events and one makes me want to punch the monitor. Uh, I had but, the wrong idea about good. Space Marine. So I never played it because I thought it was like just some generic, you go in, fight a guy, move along, fight a guy. Like sort I mean, of you spend more is. time fighting one guy. 
No, because you fight hordes. Well, I mean, and yeah, that's, you, that's it's, what I it's it's an arena. It's 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 like you walk into a room and an arena and you fight a bunch of green guys and then you move on to the yeah, next room and you fight a bunch was, of green guys. No, I thought it was more like you know, imagine Double Dragon. You know, you go along and and you've got to focus on the individual fight, then you move along. Whereas I was like, you know, hoping it was more like Dynasty Warriors, where you know, <laughs> it's, it's like we got you surrounded. Good, I'm in a target-rich environment. And I said, oh, I hope there's more horde fighting mechanics in the. And my mate was like, you've not, you've not played the first one. He's like, go play it. And I started playing and I'm like, oh my God, as you're fighting waves of orcs and just blowing them all away. And I'm like, how did it take me so long to play? And yeah, I can't wait for Space Marine 2 as well. Because again, I think that was the um, 13 games ago. If they get a good one every 12 games, you know, <laughs> 11 games ago. Yeah. If you just like the last good breathe on orcs in that game, they just explode into red mist. It's wonderful. Anyway, sorry. Uh, 40k Chaos Gate Damon Hunters. Please continue. This actually has kind of the same thing with the whole like uh, you shoot something and then it literally explodes uh, in the body parts. Uh, like there's this cultist uh, running around and you take your storm bolter at them and they literally will lose like limbs and heads and just to uh, get chopped in half by their shots. Uh, it's, it's just a visually pretty gruesome in, in some parts, but it, it's what you expect when there's a best of the best emperors uh, space marines uh, rolling in a, in a Terminator armor yeah. and punching you in the face. Uh. That's That was the funniest thing, because I was watching Kiri play it, and a couple of people in chat were like, oh yeah, Grey Knights are like really good against Chaos. And I'm like, no, they were genetically designed space marines specifically for chaos. Not one of them has fallen to chaos in the past 10,000 years. Don't you understand? <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay. I want to dump all the lore. <laughs> <laughs> you got to resist massive lore dumps. And like that, that was, that was the most fun thing about watching, um, watching her paint the miniature it was like, okay, I am half really enjoying the painting, but I'm also half trying to avoid lore dumping and arguing with people in chat about, Grey Knight law. <laughs> They've actually done the like. Some people complain. I saw reviews that the um, some of the lore in the game is uh, is a little not correct, but it, it mostly it's is is very really well done. Like the story works and the uh, voice acting and all the dialogue is not that cringe and is in a lot of uh, other uh, Warhammer games. Are there any? Are there <laughs> any orcs in it? Uh, no, it seems to be just uh, the Grey Knights, and then uh, you're fighting like a Nurgle cultist. At least so far, right? Because I've I've seen that, and I wasn't sure if there were orcs. Cause if no, I don't orcs, think there is in this one. I I really hope they sound British, <laughs> because it's it's hilarious to me that in every forty k thing, doesn't matter how different everyone else sounds, they sound orcs British. Always sound British, and the funniest thing is, is that was what was intended. I you mean, know, like, Games Workshop people, is British themselves, so it's just a yeah, yeah, couple no, of British lads that are how. Yeah, people forget how silly 40k used to be warhammer fantasy and 40k used to be it's they sit still there and go silly. oh orcs are it is still silly. yeah orcs are so cool they can make things work just because they believe in them i'm like yeah and we all think about how cool that is but back then it was just a bunch of guys going oh yeah these these gits they do this and that you know <laughs> well, i mean um, like the, the the reason 40k at warhammer works is because it's it's like it's it's the it's the it's the fantasy of extremes right everything yeah, is taken to much. its natural like absolute extreme which is why it's also like yo they're all bunch of fascists you know that right but also like it's funny because they're so goofy about it 
Like there's a funny story about that. Time. Because, you know, there's... <laughs> with 40k, you know, some people don't get the whole... The fascism side is satire. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And there is a... A, a formerly, formerly uh, popular known um, Warhammer content creator uh, that unfortunately shared the same online handle as me. And so I can never jump into Warhammer because, you know, people are, that's going to start sounding a little bit weird. Including the plays stuff part? Yeah, no, no. Oh, I was um, going to say, what? Yeah, no, it, it, it's a long story. And if anyone's listening and, the, and they, they, they'll they be like, if they know it, they'll be like, oh, yeah, poor Arch. <laughs> if they don't, they'll be like, what? What? <laughs> did, but, did, did, did you play Mechanicus spell? Uh, yes. And this feels much better, that, for sure. Because that, that was the other good XCOM-ish. Yeah, that was definitely decent uh, as well. 40k game they did a, a the XCOM part in this like if, if you if you ignore that like the Warhammer part of the thing which is really well done and what you expect uh, and what you want from a Warhammer um, if you if you look at the game mechanics itself it is like a uh, the Firaxis XCOM so the first one it's, it's very very similar to that one and has the same problems also why if you don't throw things um, <laughs> Uh, so it's the same problems uh, as the as the first Firaxis XCOM. Like there's the whole pod mechanic for the aliens or the cultists uh, in this. Uh. So like the unit of enemies exists on the map, uh, and then when you find them, when you see them, they get a turn to move immediately, which was a huge problem in XCOM uh, uh, because but when you move a couple of your units, and then you pop a squad, and then it's basically immediately their turn afterwards because you've already used, used your turn um, and you got maybe sometimes I got a, like super out of position and just uh, have these aliens flanking you and you can't do anything um, this one has the same uh, same pod uh, popping mechanic uh, which is not great but they are instead uh, they actually refund your action points for a whole squad when you see the alien uh, like the enemies first time uh, which kind of fixes it because you can then uh, immediately move your units and whatnot, but it still has the same problem that uh, uh, you have like four, you have four uh, gray knights in this. Uh, so you move one of them, and then your three guys are in the back, uh, and the one one that goes forward knows that this is enemies, so he's there somewhere alone. But even though, even if you get the like action points uh, refunded, uh, your three guys are still way behind from the first one who is basically engaging the enemies uh, alone, and they have to then run uh, to catch up, and it's it's a really bad. Um, mechanic in, in my opinion that they took from uh, the original XCOM which was then made much better in the XCOM 2 which they should have copied instead <laughs> uh, and there's some other like see, UI issues uh, and same things that um, were in XCOM and uh, they, they copied that maybe a little too hard on that uh, like gameplay side yeah well kind of makes you wonder how, how long this has been in development too yeah, it was also like a studio that I've never even heard of before. Like I was, Google, I don't actually even remember which one it was uh, anymore. But um, well, it's, pub- like, it's I was surprised. Frontier, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it is. And it's made by Complex Games, which is a appropriate name for this type of games, which actually is their only game on Steam. Hmm. Maybe a new studio. Could be, but. 
I mean, we well, need the, new studios because everybody's getting bought. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, they did a. If, if this is their first game that they published on Steam, I mean, it seems to be. Um, they did a really, really good job, even though they have established lore from the Warhammer and established gameplay from XCOM. But they did a really good job at combining that and making it a decent game. Yeah, uh, that's good. It's 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 nice to like you know I, I remember a couple of years ago going like, man, when are they gonna just make Warhammer XCOM? Because that just makes too much sense. And now like there's this, there's Mechanicus, and also Battle Sector, which released last year, which people seem to like, which isn't quite XCOM. It's more of a yeah. I hope they keep making this as well. Like, uh, just take this company, the Complex Games, and just let them make more of these XCOM uh, uh, Warhammer games. Just pick a, a new race or a different space marine fac- faction and just throw them against each other. There's like an endless swamp of a, a games you could pull out of this when you have already a good existing base for the like the gameplay and then just throw new things at it. Give us like a, a Warhammer Fantasy XCOM. Mm, I don't know. Fantasy has always been a more of like a bigger unit to me. Yeah, yes. See, fantasy needs That's to be why. like Battle Brothers or something. <laughs> yeah, like I think like Total War style game, but better is actually like the better. Like there's was all the old Warhammer games called um, Shadow of the Horned Rat. I think it was the one, and then there was something with vampires, and those were actually really really good. But they they were pretty similar to um, like Total War games, but they ignored like the whole kingdom management part and everything, and you just had a. Uh, like a story campaign where you went from place to place, uh, and then you did uh, just the battles uh, that are good, like total, total War style. And those games were really, really, really good back in the day. And they also included some RPG mechanics into that, so as well. Um, but I think that works much better for fantasy uh, than a, like a, a single unit paced uh, like a combat system for like XCOM. Although uh, they have now, uh, well, this has been already. A, many years ago. So you have uh, originally the Warhammer Fantasy and you had Warhammer 4 that came, but Fantasy actually doesn't exist anymore. Uh, it's called Age of Sigmar now. They, they had yeah, this storyline where uh, the story basically went to this uh, like end of times kind of scenario and it literally results into the whole world exploding. So the, the fantasy world doesn't exist in the current lore, basically. And there's like... This so um, po- just, to, yep. just to interject, again, I'm fighting the feeling like the the desire to lord dump <laughs> yeah i'm trying to keep it simple as well i'm just looking at the recording time on this podcast going we're at an hour and 40 minutes and <laughs> like we haven't talked about news yet so it's um, fine maybe don't lord dump yeah but... well anyways for, for a short basically they blew up the whole existing world and now they have a kind of this like a pocket dimension kind of things where they have like different teams that for different uh, like planes of existence uh and from the, and... From the uh in the real world perspective, it's basically they went, "Hey, we should make fantasy a little bit more like 40k because 40k yes. is much more popular." It, it's selling and so much that's better. basically how they how they did it. Yeah, like for models, uh, the basic Space Marine kit sells almost as much as the rest of the line. <laughs> like they are very very popular, and they try to achieve that with the uh, Age of Sigmar, and it's more like a not a massive like units, but it's like a more single unit, like single. Uh, character based though not not as much as uh, like 40k i uh, know also they have the combat patrol now which is even more that's that's too much lord dump and everything <laughs> we're gonna do a whole podcast about warhammer at some point 
But yeah, it, uh, Chaos Gate is great. Great. Go play it. <laughs> go, go play Chaos Gate. It's good. Yes. $45, your regional equivalent. Um, Arch, do you want to talk about Dorfromantic or should I talk about Citizen Sleeper? Oh, I'd love to talk about Dorfromantic. It's going to well, be, like, be romantic with your town. Game. It's so beautiful and so peaceful and I find myself wistfully sighing while playing, wishing I could live there. With those awful trains <laughs> that go nowhere and lakes that cut off towns? I, I mean, know, that's man. just have Germany. You, have you? Present-day Germany. Yeah, have you? <laughs> have, have you not? Like, I live in New Zealand. Train lines don't go very far either. Yeah. It's it's such a peaceful game. Like, I, I, I keep saying this when I play it on stream. I, I love so much of it. From the calming sounds, from the beautiful visuals and palette choices, to even when you run out of tiles and it's like session complete. It's not game over. It's not you lose. It's just, all right, you're done. And it feels so good to play. And I absolutely love it. And, you know, I can't put hours into it. I'm not like one of those streamers that can play. Like, this is why I don't really play roguelikes. I will play one session of Dorf Romantic and I'll go like half an hour, 45 minutes. And then I'll be like, all right, I can't, I can't put down and jump into another one. But for that 45 minutes to an hour, it's some of the most peaceful time that I have. And I, I, my, my biggest regret is not playing it sooner. It's been in my, it's been in my Steam library for a long time. I just didn't play it. And I really regret that. It's such a beautiful game. Well, now um, you have hard mode and quick play as well. So... Yeah, no, I'm playing. I'm playing classic because I still haven't la- unlocked all the challenges. Um, but we we did go for the place all the tiles without rotating any, and I think we got all but one of those challenges complete. Like we were absolutely smashing it. And then there's the one place, like all these tiles consecutively that don't that aren't mismatched, and that went amazing as well. Like it made me feel like I was good at the game and I'm not normally good at games. <laughs> I really like the quick play great. for while I'm editing stuff because it's about the same amount of times it takes to render and upload a YouTube video. So Wow, that's okay. That, that's why that's my Dorf Romantic time it's i i couldn't i I completely agree with everything you've said though yeah very much fantastic game i've streamed this several times and it's been always a super fun and chill except i play like eight games in a row when i play it yeah i'll do like a whole stream of uh, just rotating tiles just like nine hours of like hexes let's go yeah well it's it's that's kind of like super peaceful gazin kind of thing it's it's really really great to just relax and slap some tiles on the table I love how Kinda we're like all sitting here going on about how zen and relaxing this is. And the last time Kiri was on here was just like, that game's so stressful. <laughs> <laughs> like rage inducing. Like both FG and Kiri both find this game stressful and rage inducing. We're like, ah, oh, it's so chill. But it's, it's, it's that uh, trying to yeah. get to perfection versus uh, just uh, having fun, slapping some tiles and making beautiful landscape. That That's it. I've learned to accept holes in the, in the landscape. I've learned to just accept that we can't continue something. And to me, to my head, that is, 
that is literally calamine lotion for the itching that is my brain, you know? Um, and this is, this is something that I talk about on stream a lot more because I used to not share this for some reason, but you know, I, I have ADHD to a very, very extreme degree, you know? Um, <laughs> the two hours I have to sit here on the podcast, I am physically in pain by the end of it. Um, so for something like this to accept, to move on, to, to, to accept things as incomplete and move on, it's just so calming and so smooth. I'm not sitting there trying to get all these things. And I'm also like, when I play other games, you know, I, I get decision paralysis, you know, that's one thing that I suffer from a lot. If I'm playing a game where your choices matter, I'm there with the wiki on the other side, looking up what every choice means and trying to work it out because my brain's like, I can't just make this choice willy nilly. What if I choose the wrong one? Yet Dorf Romantic kind of just, I'm okay with putting down a tile that's not perfect, you know, and moving on. I'm okay with leaving something unfinished because quite frankly, I can't fit that in. It's, it's something that is really opposite to how I normally approach games. And I think that's what I really love about it. For some reason, it is just so different to how I approach games. And it feels so much freeing from that. I can very much understand you. Like, I've definitely been yeah, yeah. <laughs> very similar in the past. Uh, I've been like a perfectionist that I need to have this perfect uh, perfectly solution and perfect solution. I need to make the choices exactly how I want them. But the, I, I feel it's like the older I get, the less less I care. And I just go with the flow and see what happens uh, with the choices and everything. It's like, there's something fun at the end of this road. It doesn't matter which road I take. Uh, and I found that especially That's... when I was playing Detroit uh, Become Human, uh, because the, there's a lot of timed uh, decisions and things that actually really affect the story, like main characters dying kind of decisions. Uh, and I missed uh, some of the choices there, and I was like, should I re redo this? Nah, I just, we'll just go with the flow and see what happens. And I'm, I've been starting to do that more and more and more the older I get. And it leads into a lot of fun stuff, especially on the stream. Like I did the same with the Pathfinder, I played through with it, uh, and... I'm a horrible monster, <laughs> apparently, when I play games like that. But uh, sometimes you just have to see where it goes. So, on the topic of wonderful stories, I'm going to hijack this podcast and talk about Citizen Sleeper for a third week in a row. How's that sound? Okay, so um, Citizen Sleeper, which I've talked about on this podcast two previous times, is... Um, a science fiction cyberpunk story, uh, which is the gamification of uh, living in post at a post-capitalist society as a disabled person who can't afford their meds. That's the simple version. But the long version is um, I've really, really, really wanted a game based on The Expanse ever since I started watching The Expanse. And now that it's done and there's a game being announced for The Expanse, uh, for me, this is uh, probably better than The Expanse video game will be. Um, this was a... So I, I've seen credits. I've gotten one of the endings. Um, and I've looked at the achievements. I don't... I, I'm pretty sure how you get most of the other endings. Like, I, I know what routes I would have to take. And some of them you'd, you'd have to prepare for pretty early on in the game. Um, but I'm happy with my ending and i probably won't replay the game for a while but i would like to see those other endings eventually 
Um, I won't say what ending I get or how the game ends, and I won't say any major plot point spoilers. But all I really have to say about this game is it is a game that made me forget that I was reading because the writing is so good. And it's very, very rare that a book or a game will do that to me. Um, for did, Do either of you know nothing about this game? Do I need to talk about mechanics or should I just gush? Arch? I've, I've not even checked out Citizen Sleep. Okay. Well, the, the, the basic kind of mechanical structure of the game is it's in two parts. It's dialogue, which is um, akin to a Disco Elysium or a Norco. Um, stretches of dialogue, very, 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 very well written, combined with uh, dialogue choices. And then there's a day mechanic. So it kind of looks like you're playing something like an XCOM with like different structures on the map, but it's nothing like that. Every day you wake up and you, you're given a set of dice. The dice are rolled when you wake up and there's an ability that lets you re-roll them later on if you want to go that route. But you get your dice and um, a, a term that uh, uh, chat and actually the game references this at one point is those are your spoons. Those are the spoons you have to go do tasks for the day. Um, and you take your dice and you go out and into the station and you can talk to characters, you can do jobs to earn money, which is chits, which is their, the game references it as literally like isolated cryptocurrency. Um, there is, uh, uh, food vendors you can talk to. There are gangs you can interact with. There are corporation fragments you can interact with. There's, uh, you, the game has an equivalent of hacker man. There's cool nightclubs you can hang out in. Uh, you can go get a job working the docks. It's very much a science fiction story about you playing a nameless, um, genderless character who is um, inside of a, um, a a copied mind inside of a synthetic body. And the previous character that that person was is whatever you want to imagine them as. Um, and they exist in this world after running away from SNARP, which is the corporation that built built them, because um they're the original human that was that person that you play as is asleep in a facility somewhere on a planet far, far away. And that person signed a contract stating they that SNARP, this corporation, can clone their mind, put it into a synthetic body, and then that synthetic body can work out its life. When that synthetic body dies or is decommissioned, then the real person would wake back up and go on with their life. But the problem is, the synthetic mind in this body is sentient and being forced to work 24-7, round the clock, very little breaks, poor conditions, cramped up with a bunch of other half-husks of humans... Um, and then upon this, you realize that between that and your planned obsolescence for your body, um, between your meds that you require, that you require to keep your body from rejecting your mind and booting you out and killing you, um, as well as trackers that, so they know exactly where you are at all times because you don't own your body. It's property of the corporations. Um, you will die. That copy of you will die, uh, when the time comes for the sleeper to wake back up. So your character runs away, gets onto a freighter, goes through the the void um, to the, the station called the eye that you end up living on and you play the game on. 
And it is just this wonderful, like I, I say wonderful because it is beautiful and uplifting and hilarious, but also dark, damning, and kind of too real in places. Combination of just deconstructing problems with society combined with borderline utopian possibilities of like where society could go. It is a, um, I was crying so hard by the end of like the end sequence that I got that I couldn't read. It's, it's beautiful. And I think more people should play this game. I mean, it's got overwhelmingly positive reviews and it seems to have done quite well so far. It's on Game Pass. It's on Steam. Even if you don't like reading, and I think some people will look at this game and be like, that's a lot of reading. I don't like reading. Pl please play it. <laughs> that, that's all I have. That's, that is my plea for the Citizen Sleeper. Please play it. So, yeah, I have a problem with that. <laughs> it doesn't sound like one that I could really play on stream. And Let's... I've already bought so many Steam games. <laughs> don't buy it then. That's on you, man. I streamed the whole thing and chat loved it. But not every game needs to be streamed. Yeah. You got me tempted though. You know, like that's that's the thing. It's like I'm tempted and I'm like, I really would love something like that. You know, something to do with just a whole bunch of as 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 a streamer doing a streamer thing for a second here, the the loop for streaming a game like this, you read three pieces of dialogue, you ask chat which dialogue option they want you to take. One or two people type in the option, you take the one that's more popular. You read the block of chat, you ask chat which option you want you to they they want you to take, and these options come up every thirty to seconds to a minute, like they're pretty frequent. And then the actual above ground dice game is very much like a meter management game with with high stakes right and that is uh very easy to interact with chat and stream so yes it's dialogue heavy the dialogue chunks are like 15 minutes tops i think like the longest stretch of dialogue with no options was about 10 minutes and those aren't super frequent they're normally options every couple like there, there will be a small paragraph Two options. Small paragraph, three options. Small paragraph, four options. Small paragraph, two options. Um, and so it wasn't that hard of a game to stream. Like, obviously, it was, you know, harder than streaming something like Stardew Valley, but um, yeah, it, it's not on streamable this... or anything. It's way easier to stream than Norco, as in, which is another game I played recently like this. Was this originally going to be Project Sidereal or Sidereal? I have no idea. I mean, the side real horizon is a thing in the game, if that so possibly. Because I, 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 I found it under Project Sidereal, and yeah, it looks to be <laughs> because the the it's the developer's second game. They made a game called In Other Waters before that. Yeah, it's possible. No, it it, it appears to be. You know, it's the same publisher, same thing, and all I can find is a whole bunch of really early early stuff um on that I'll, I'll check it out it sounds see it sounds like something i'd love to experience um took me about 10 hours ish 14 because i'm slow but and i don't you could also do it in a small chunk so like play one game uh, for a start of the stream and then do a couple hours of that uh, at the end yeah 
I kind of did that. the the last The last day where I finished it, I played for played for about six hours. But like, the first day I did three. The second day I did two. The third day I did two. The fourth day I did four. The fifth day I finished it. So, it's not something you have to do in all in one chunk. But it's that's that's my plea for Citizen Sleeper. And I think we should go into news because we're at basically our end time, and we've only talked about games. So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us to a quick <laughs> break right here, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about the news. Hi, this is Tudikiri. I'm a full-time content creator and Twitch streamer focusing on indie and strategy games. I'm advocating accessibility in video games, especially when it comes to simulation sickness. I love chatting with my wholesome community, achievement hunting, and winter. Look for Tudikiri on Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Patreon. And now, back to the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this very long episode of the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. Uh, I'm still blind, and I'm still here with... Uh, Bellinair and Arch play stuff, and we're here to talk about uh, your week's news. Uh, so, Arch, do you want to take this first one? Yeah, the first one is uh, quite a bit of positive news and a bit of big one. Um, the Ukrainian studio Frogwares has received what's being called a mega grant from Epic Games in order to support the developers relocating. I, I feel like um, that's that's like just an Epic branded. Here's big lump of money. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, I like it that it's it's. They probably wanted to differentiate between, uh, oh, hey, this is just the money we're giving them. This is we are putting money that we are not expecting to recoup through the, like through the release of a game. You know that that's sort of it there, and I think that's absolutely great. Um, and I and I hope that it starts a lot of people a lot of developer companies thinking about public like a lot of publishers thinking about people over there and such because like epic is it's the number one donated towards ukraine um edging out some like a, a fair few governments so um yeah no this is another sign of epic really really putting a lot of a lot of care in and you know you're kind of sitting there going wow they're going all out on this that's uh yeah, they they are the it's largest non governmental entity worth of donations. Yeah, purely because of Fortnite, <laughs> but also all their other work. For, Fortnite is is a is a force for good in this world. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, for those of you unfamiliar with Frogwares, Frogwares is a studio that has been around for quite some time. You may have actually seen their games and not realized it's them. Um, they're very well known for their Sherlock Holmes games um, that are not based on the TV series, not based on the movies, just kind of based on the book license. Um, and they've they've been putting those out since like the early 2000s. <clears throat> they've also done a number of other games based on other book series. They, they put out a, a, a short series of Dracula games as well in the early 2000s. Um, but they're they're most known for their... Um, their uh what, what's it called um sherlock holmes games which uh, oddly enough are, are are strange because like early on if you go look back at the old ones it's like they all have kind of bad reviews like not even just like user reviews but just the, the old ones were not well received but they've slowly turned it up to like the made it up to the 60s and then into the 70s and the most recent ones have been quite well received um they've also uh recently and like as of this year, they've put out a couple of hidden object games and a few other kind of more lower budget things. Um, so they're they're kind of an odd studio, but they very much um, 
uh, are, are known for the Sherlock Holmes games. One of their recent releases, uh, which is probably why they have a... Um, a re relation, a positive relationship with Epic right now is the Sinking City, which was a Epic Games exclusive, which is a uh, one of like it was like their first game in a very long time that wasn't a Sherlock Holmes Sherlock Holmes game, but it was a uh, kind of a mystery adventure game, sort of in in the world of uh, Lovecraft, um, which uh, had kind of a mixed response. It didn't launch that well, but the people who like that game really like that game. And then shortly after that, they also released a another Sherlock Holmes game called Sherlock Holmes Chapter One, which is very, very well received. So they're they're an interesting studio. They're kind of all over the place, but they do weird things, you know, like there's not a lot of people making detective games. So that's that's kind of your history on Frogwares. And it's good to hear that they're being helped to relocate because um Yeah. You know, people need to make money and video games need a building that's not gonna get shot at. So well, I, I would say most, almost all, all companies need need a building that's not going to get shot at. Yes, unless you're yeah. testing some sort of bulletproof building, and then you would need to shoot at it. But outside of that scenario, <laughs> but um, also as part of this, Frogwares um, posted a tweet, which I will also link in the description of this podcast, uh, which I'm, I'm not going to read in its entirety because it's quite a lot of. Um, it's quite a lot of uh, wording here, but uh, long story short, um, war is still going, and they are making a new game. They're revealing something soon, so um, curious to see what they're working on, to be honest. That's Frogwares. Um, the next thing is a very divisive. Uh, a game that many people absolutely hate with a, a, a horrendous passion or love very dearly um, is going free-to-play. Fall Guys is falling into uh, freedom and going free-to-play. It was interesting hearing this news because I kind of expected it to all to be a, already be a free-to-play game. Yeah, yeah that, I was surprised that, that, was that it was my response, too. <laughs> it's like, that wasn't already free-to-play? What? Um, it's but, still being updated? <laughs> that still exists um so like like i think we're we're all being kind of mean to fall guys but like fall guys is it's it's not like everybody loves to scream dead game right fall guys went from this being this massive um sensation if you will this viral sensation to just being a very successful multiplayer game like they don't have you know two hundred thousand concurrent players or whatever they had at peak, but you know there's still ten to fifteen thousand people playing that game at any given day, and whenever they drop an update, it bumps up to thirty. So like, that that game's still very successful, and um, they're going free to play, which uh, honestly seems to be annoying some of the longtime players because I I've seen some people saying they don't feel like they're going to be getting enough. It's like you're going to get a free battle pass and some legacy stuff, but like some people are not thrilled with that that being said uh for people like me who bought and almost immediately refunded uh fall guys for not liking it eh, maybe i can be convinced to download it and play it on an evening again i don't know um but uh that's fall guys any thoughts i think it's good for the game like uh having no barrier of entry on that uh so you can just play fun get a few fun games and maybe throw a, a little money on a skin is probably going to be much better for the game okay. than having a I don't know how much it costs currently, but uh, if it's 20 like 10, 20, 20, yeah, so that's too much, uh, uh, and it's going to make the game die eventually, uh, but uh, having it free-to-play will definitely make it last a lot longer, so even for those salty 
old players, you will have new players to play with instead of just not having no one to play with. Uh, You'll have noobs to curb stomp <laughs> yeah, more exactly, frequently, exactly. in fact. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I definitely think it's good for the game. Yeah, any game that requires a certain critical mass in order to, to be active, like for, for a lot of online games, any form of matchmaking instantly gives it okay, so there's a period in which people will no longer be able to play this game. And it's been countered in various ways, like, um, you know, going free to play is usually a big step, but you've also got, um, what, uh, PUBG implemented, like, bots. So, you know, like, I was playing um, PUBG on the uh, Australian Oceana servers, and there was about 20 to 30 human players, and the other 70 were filled with bots. And so there's a lot of, lot of various things, but... Yeah, it, I think it's good for the health of the game. Um, it reduces that entry. The thing I have to ask, though, is that, you know, with, with, with how many concurrent players it had, with how many people it had in it and going through all of that, the fact that they're not playing now sort of raises the question of, okay, but is this a short spike? Are you expecting more people to come in, like, is the barrier of entry that high that you're going to be getting a lot of long-term players from this? And I don't know, but we'll, we'll, that's not really a question that we can answer right away. I mean, that's, that's yeah. something that we'll <laughs> see in no, a I'm, year I'm, after it's been free to play for a That's bit. it. I'm keen to see how it goes. I mean, it could be also uh, just speak- a spike, cash out, and get done with it. Yeah, yeah, that, maybe too. Maybe they're just trying to sell it. Good luck to them. You never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Speaking of um, cashing out and getting out, uh, farming sim. Uh, Arch, do you want to explain? Why why did you put this article okay. in here? Okay. <laughs> so, farming simulator twenty twenty two is uh, or twenty two is you know it's a nice peaceful farming game that you can grow various crops, you can harvest them. It also has a farm equipment sponsored esports scene mm-hmm. which is really has an e- yeah john deere has an esports team <laughs> and this esports team competitively plays farming simulator and so red bull has they've launched their series other worlds um and that is where they look into games you wouldn't consider to be esports related and sort of showcase those. And this caught my eye because it's so unique. And it's so just, oh my gosh, you know. And so they're actually, um, their episode is going to be airing on uh, Tuesday, May 24th. And they'll be doing an episode on it. Um, and showcasing like just how crazy this world is. And I think they'll even be uh, trying to take a whack at competitively playing it with a couple of speedrunners and... Uh, pro players so yeah that's at um the red bull gaming youtube channel i met the community coordinator for the farming simulator at one of the games comes and he was talking to me about the whole the esports thing and just blew my mind like what they do with kind of a a farming simulator yeah. game in a, in a like a competitive environment and how how like uh yeah into they are into it like it's, it's i don't know it's like for a Finnish mindset, it just doesn't fit, but maybe you have to be a German for this. <laughs> well, to be fair, I don't think the Finns have many 
many places for farms, do you? You're yeah, all, you're we all do, especially on the mountains. coastline where I live. We also make our own tractors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Finland is a Maybe you, you too can have a tractor-sponsored esports team in Farming Simulator, then. Yeah. Volumet, call me any day. <laughs> um, speaking of things I don't want to call me any day, uh, so y'all remember Ugly Sonic from the Sonic movie that then didn't make it into the Sonic movie? Thank God. Yes. Because it was ugly. Okay, well, so it's back. Anyway, um, so Sonic came out, was a well-received kids movie, right? Sonic 2 is now the most profitable video game movie ever made, period. Like, it's, yep. it is the most successful video game movie of all time. Anyway, uh, the Chip and Dale movie just released, or they released a trailer, and in that movie is a cameo with Ugly Sonic. <laughs> and oh he's got a beer gosh, gut I'm now. Oh my I'm so excited. Yes! I, so is this I, the Rescue the Rangers? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the new Chip and Dale. It, it's literally, I, I, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know too much about this. I threw this in at the, halfway through the podcast because I saw it trending on Twitter while Arch was talking. I don't have too many details, I, but. I might jump on a tangent here. And I just want to talk about how brilliant the entire Sonic thing is, right? From from them not just like going back and reworking the character that was that was a f- uh, feedback reworking thing, right? Have either of you two watched the Sonic movie? I really want to, but no. I haven't gotten around yet. So. Watch it; it's actually good and funny. It is true to the series. It is you know it's got the lighthearted moments. It's not a cheesy ripoff. It is actually good. I found myself laughing while watching it. I'll be I'll, I'll be honest. The only reason I haven't watched the Sonic movie is because it hasn't shown up on a streaming platform that I pay yes. for when I'm <laughs> exactly, the right exactly level of high. Oh, it's it's on it's on Netflix in not New in Zealand. Canada. So that's that's yeah, no, not in yeah, here that's how well. I ended up seeing it. At least I haven't seen it. Yet. But the other thing I want to point out is Sonic as a brand on social media didn't exist until some guy just started doing. Um, are we allowed to say posts? Sure, <laughs> it's a it's a technical term. Yeah, he's he's he started doing <laughs> some Sonic term. posts and ended up getting hired. And so since then, the Sonic Channel has become this meme brand, this powerful personality, and it just it doesn't take itself seriously. It doesn't take anything seriously. It's you look at it and you're like, everything I knew about brand strategy has just flown out the window. And I'm watching this Sonic page get all of these tweets and, uh, and and follows and all of these engagements. And you're just like, what on earth? <laughs> so I love Sonic Look at as the a podcast brand. room in this description. I know this doesn't play very well on an audio medium, but look at the no, podcast those, those room. Those are amazing pictures. Right so. <laughs> I, I will attach these screenshots. But it's, it's, it's also really literally cool. a scene from a Chip and Dale movie. My, my favorite thing is, is that, that, that it literally has a sign that says, meet ugly Sonic live. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the one and only it's Ugly just, Sonic. Yeah, Ugly it, it's Sonic. It's not like oh, meet Sonic, and they've just snuck the old version in. They've literally named him Ugly Sonic. I and love he's it. just like standing there, and he looks kind of washed up, and he's just wearing like a like a, a jacket, and he's got a beer gut, and he's got sunglasses on yeah, his head. He's, <laughs> he just looks kind of lost. Is the picture lost. on the left? Does it look like shots from him from various other games? Like the one on the left looks like a Halo. 
thing where his face is edited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's multiple video game parodies yeah. in yeah. the background and art pieces. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's that's absolutely great. Very you know, this, you know is a, this, this, this scene is taking place at a fake like Comic-Con, but you have the yeah. ugly yeah. Sonic from those early trailers uh, that didn't make it. I, I kind of want some of those paintings <laughs> on my wall. I love the idea of this because you just look at this and you're like, you know, I wonder who went to who with the idea. Because you could see Chip and Dale going, oh, hey, we're doing this. But then you could also see Ugly Sonic going, you guys are doing a Comic Con thing. We have this idea for you and we'll give you all these assets. <laughs> so the, 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 the one thing that, that does make me kind of sad about this character, though, is a uh, special effects studio did close because of the redesign. So a bunch of people did lose their job. So it, there, there's like conspiracy theories flying around that they're like, oh, they intentionally released Ugly Sonic initially. No. Um, and they did bankrupt a independent um, uh, 3D design studio. So, yeah. So, but they do, they do that, a pretty bad I, job, I, though. Yeah, well, yeah, they did no, a very no, bad no. job. But they did a good job on the redesign, which yes. they also did. But they okay. So, so same, same people who made the redesign as well. Well, that that was the problem, though. You know, like the the redesign work was not was was literally what the actual character was or what it mm-hmm. is. So they took a risk and that risk didn't pay off and they ended up going with what he looked like originally and that went so well. So, you know, part of it, it it is sad, but on the other hand of it, you know, (laughs) watch me get all capitalist here. When you have something like that and when you have that much money on the table, that many contracts, there should have been someone that put their hand up beforehand and went, no, this doesn't look right. This doesn't look good. Yeah, before we this saw is, it, uh, you know, someone should have... Uh, this is giving been... me nightmares. Yeah. Um, somebody should have called it out before it went to the trailer. And the failure to do that is, um, you know, what ends up happening. It's really cool to have this whole but thing I, on the uh, Chip and Dale movie, though, kind of immortalizing the whole saga and the meme. Yeah, I, I think it's... It's good in that, and I love the way Chip and Dale, you know, oh, you got the 3D surgery. You know, um, I'm really looking forward to that movie, too. All right. Um, I think that uh, this has been a very long episode of the Halcyon Frequency podcast, and I just want to say thank you to Arch and Bellinair for taking the time to talk, and uh, Bellinair for waking up early along with me, and thanks, Arch, for recording with us today. But, uh, staying up late it's almost 5 a.m i just want to point that out it's nice it's, it's midday for you dude i know what your sleep schedule is <laughs> yeah but, that's uh, like most leaving time as well so that's yeah, fine it's but, past my um, bedtime all right all right everybody anyway arch speaking of it's past your bedtime where can people find you on the internet and watch you play terrible games maybe like uh v rising or uh talk uh, about terrible games like v rising yeah, well, you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash archplaystuff. Um, I'm there three days a week. You can also find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash archplaystuff. And I am there every time I remember I should send out a tweet. And Bellinar? You can find me on Twitch as well. Twitch.tv slash Bellinar. And all my other stuff through there pretty much. And I will be playing We Rising as well. I'll probably tomorrow, actually. <laughs> Well, when this podcast started, like a couple days ago, probably next, more next week as well, because uh, it does look like my type of game, much more. And 
This has been the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. You can find more episodes of this podcast at halcyonfrequency.com or a podcast platform of your choice. Uh, you can also find links to all of our channels and everything else on halcyonfrequency.com as well as a little pitch on who we are and what we do as a, as a stream team. We've got some things to announce coming up, so if you're not already, I would recommend jumping into the Halcyon Frequency Discord, uh, which can also be found on the website or in the description of this pot here podcast, uh, because, you know, like one of for one thing, we, we host servers for multiple video games, including bad games like V Rising. Um, but, and uh, esports if, contenders like and Farming Simulator. And esports contenders like Farming Simulator, of course. Um, no, we don't have a team. Maybe we should form an esports team for farming simulator that sounds like too much work um but uh <laughs> if if this podcast doesn't show up on a podcast platform that you like to use let me know uh just dm me or reach out and i will uh make it appear there and if you don't know where to find me you can find me over at uh, twitch.tv slash blindirl tuesday wednesday thursdays for way too many hours and the rest of the time youtube.com blindirl or just blind uh just type in dwarf fortress steam and you'll find me eventually and uh you can follow me on Twitter because I actually tweet again at BlindIRL. So thank you very much for listening to you. this episode of the podcast. And uh, now's where we say goodbye. Good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye. Bye.